Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. I want to tell you something very, very important about Kentaji Brown-Jackson that makes her incredibly unique. Now, obviously, she is a black woman and the first and only black woman ever nominated to the Supreme Court of the United States. That's not what I'm talking about. There's something else about her, something very particular about her background that our team at Grassroots Law found very, very important. And it's something that we actually lobbied Joe Biden and the administration to consider for the past year. We've been lobbying them on this. And to see it almost come to fruition is deeply encouraging. This is a good news episode of The Breakdown, so I want to share some good news. We'll talk some about the confirmation hearings. A lot of foolishness going down there. We believe she'll be confirmed no matter what. But let me unpack and explain this unique part of the background of Supreme Court nominee Kentaji Brown-Jackson. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The the, the Breakdown. When we call for diversity in places and positions of power, particularly when we call for diversity inside of the justice system, often what we're calling for is ethnic diversity and gender diversity. And I think that's a good thing. We should be calling for that. But if you're not careful, you can get people that are diverse, ethnically diverse, gender-wise, but all share a very similar legal background. And while I am incredibly excited that there is this possibility that we will have a black woman on the Supreme Court. I am doubly excited that Kentanji Brown-Jackson is a former federal public defender. And that in and of itself is a huge deal. She is, to my knowledge, the only former public defender to ever be nominated to the Supreme Court There are no former public defenders currently on the Supreme Court. And by and large, when you look at judges across the country and when you look at all of the state, the 50 different state Supreme Courts across the country, when you look at federal district courts across the country, and certainly when you look at the United States Supreme Court, they are almost all former prosecutors. And what that does ultimately is it takes people and puts them in the highest courts in the land who primarily see the justice system through the lens of incarceration. 
their primary responsibility has been to identify and prosecute people for crimes. But the justice system is way bigger than just mass incarceration, particularly the federal Supreme Court considers a thousand different idiosyncrasies of the law. Everything, as you know, everything that comes before the Supreme Court is not about did someone commit a crime here? It ultimately helps identify all different unique implications of the Constitution and helps set precedent and case law for the entire country, not just on crime, but on every aspect of American life. But if everybody that ever gets nominated to the Supreme Court is a former prosecutor, here's here's what I have found. Former prosecutors have with with very few exceptions, and, and, and I know just a few exceptions in this boat. Former prosecutors see the the systems of justice in America through that lens of prosecution, even after they leave. Former prosecutors who become politicians, former prosecutors who become senators, former prosecutors who become mayors or district attorneys, whatever it is that they become, they carry that hat, that lens of prosecution and by default mass incarceration. And so before Joe Biden even took office in November and December of the year before he actually was inaugurated, we formed at Grassroots Law something we call the Biden Justice Demands. And one of our most important demands was that when Joe Biden appoint federal judges to district courts and ultimately, if he had a chance to appoint someone to the Supreme Court, one of our biggest requests was not ethnic diversity, which is great, not gender diversity, which is great. Just to be clear, there is already a black man on the Supreme Court who is horrible and there's a woman on the Supreme Court who is horrible. So you can have a woman or an African-American and they have terrible positions. What we asked for from the Biden administration was that he began to appoint former public defenders into really, really important um, district court judge positions, uh, federal, important federal positions of power that they be filled by people other than prosecutors. And we've seen that. In fact, it's probably one of the most important victories that our organization has had that people will never fully appreciate because, I mean, when we think of victories, we there's a certain thing that people have in mind, but it is a game changer to have someone in a judgeship and there's nothing more of a game changer than having someone like Kentanji Brown Jackson, who we believe will be confirmed to the Supreme Court, to have someone like her who used to be a public defender. And what that means is she was defending people who, by and large, could not. First, it means she was defending people, not prosecuting them. Secondly, as a federal public defender, It means that she was primarily defending people 
who could not afford their own attorneys. And that then gives her a type of experience that then that exposed her to an entirely different world. When all you do day in and day out is prosecute people for crimes and send them to jail, prosecute and send them to jails, prosecute and send them to prison, not in the single digits, but sometimes dozens and hundreds of cases in the case of most prosecutors offices, tens of thousands of cases come through those offices. They are they are basically mass incarceration mills to have somebody who was on the other side of that. She defended people at Guantanamo Bay. Uh, She was a federal public defender assigned to people at Guantanamo Bay who had basically been detained but never charged. And in fact, the people she defended at Guantanamo Bay were ultimately released. And, you know, her time defending them was profound. She had many profound moments of defending people who could not afford a private attorney and guiding them through all the challenges and and risk of mass incarceration. It's a very different perspective. And as excited as I am that there is about to be a black woman on the Supreme Court, I am even more excited that this black woman has, in essence, if you study her history, I mean, I don't know that there's anybody more qualified in the country. She has seen every possible position and angle of the justice system. And what we normally get is the exact opposite. We normally get people who've seen every side of being a prosecutor. But that is that is literally only one side of the system. But almost every state Supreme Court, almost every federal judgeship and almost everybody on the current Supreme Court. They're normally lifelong prosecutors. And it's like, yeah, we can do better than that. And when we call for for judicial diversity, we have to call not only for ethnic and gender diversity, uh, we have to call for a legal diversity as well for people that have actually seen and experienced all sides of the system. And, you know, just to talk about her a little bit more, you know, she has been open about saying, hey, you know, members of my family have spent extended time in jail and prison, that she has that side of it. Um, She worked on a sentencing commission that helped you know, reframe and understand how people are sentenced for crimes. These are all really, really important types of experience that are just woefully missing, not just from the Supreme Court, but from the entire upper echelons of the legal system. And so there are only a few organizations, including ours, that that were fighting incredibly hard for former public defenders to get these opportunities. And, uh, you know, I'm thankful to those other organizations that fought alongside us for this. 
Now, I spent a good deal of the day yesterday watching the confirmation hearings for Kentaji Brown-Jackson, and one, she's brilliant, and she was there yesterday, it seemed like for almost 12 hours, answering a, a number of foolish questions that rarely had anything not only to do with being a judge, but rarely had even anything to do with her. Uh, asking her about certain books in certain preschools and kindergartens, where she was like, listen, not only am I not familiar with those books, uh, those books have never come up in any of my work. And like, so please ask something smarter. You know, right now she's in the Senate Judiciary hearings and it's not, that means it's only open to a certain committee within the Senate. It's not yet open to the full Senate. But Republicans are really just using this as a political football to ask her things that they know will get their base excited. And uh, it's not really about anything real and not really about anything legal or honest or earnest. And uh, it's just part of the gauntlet you have to go through if you are a conservative or a liberal. I mean, you're going to be passed through a real gauntlet. And uh, she passed yesterday with flying colors, of course. Um, But I am hopeful. Um, She, if she is, um, if she wins the nomination uh, and is on the Supreme Court, she won't sway it into a liberal majority, but she will be a very, very important voice on the court. And um, we'll be glad to have her there. Listen, I've got to run. I am heading into my uh, morning therapy session that I have every Wednesday. And um, if you are not yet a member of the North Star, we need you to go to the northstar.com, become a member today. And also, uh, after you go to the North Star, become a member. You can do it for as little as eight bucks. You can cancel online at any time. We need you to also go now to Apple Podcast and to Spotify and subscribe to the Momentum Advisors show. It's a brilliant personal finance show that we produce here at the North Star. We already have nearly 100 episodes. They are profound, doing great, great work. Check it out. Listen to it. Let me know what you think. Take care, everybody. Break it down. I'm Tiffany Hawkins. I'm Alan Boomer. And we are the Momentum Advisors. Every single week, we talk about wealth management, personal finance, and entrepreneurship. We are financial advisors by day. We're entrepreneurs by night. We're building wealth for ourselves, and we want to make sure that you understand how to build wealth in your own family. Tune in for shows like Is Your Money Racist? Retirement Savings, Investment 101. We literally run the gamut on all the things that you need to know about financial wealth, creating a legacy for your family, and really just wealth creation as a whole. What we find is that these conversations are happening, but they're not happening as much as they need to in diverse communities. And so we're bringing a new voice, a new amount of energy, and we want you to tune in. So we bring the tips, we bring the strategy, and we always bring the good news. So make sure you tune in every week to the Momentum Advisors. There's something for everyone. Mm -hmm.